This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. Hey, welcome to another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And we're a little bit lighter this week on uh, co-hosts because... I'm glad you noticed that I'm a little bit lighter there, Brock. I appreciate that. Oh, uh, yes, that's, that's always a good thing. That voice you heard is Cam Jenkins, and he and I are... Doing the show on our own as the other two are playing hooky because they're at the Cruisers Cup, which is the 12th year of its existence. Cameron, how are you? You're a little lighter, um, so I hear. Yeah, uh, thanks for noticing. Um, you know, uh, talking through the radio, it surprises me that you do realize that I'm uh, a bit lighter. I've been working out a little bit. So, but yeah, thanks just the same for noticing, Brock. I appreciate that. Um, You're welcome. Weekend, You're welcome. <laughs> uh, this weekend, looking to a good weekend. Um, like, how can you not be happy? All the Toronto teams, uh, the Toronto Raptors, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Argos are all winning. Um, and tomorrow is my friend's son's birthday that I'll be going to, and it's his first uh, birthday. So, happy birthday, Benny. Yes, happy birthday, Benny. It uh, sounds like it's going to be a gem packed uh, weekend for you and we were talking a little uh, during this uh, commercial break that the uh, Jack Eichel watch is finally over he's now been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights basically in return for draft picks and such as that so a very good trade I'm thankful he's obviously still on uh, injury reserve but uh, you know it's good to hear that he's finally moved on from a place that he clearly, Cameron, did not want to be a part of. No, absolutely not. It's been going bad for at least eight months, if not even more so than that. I saw a report, I think it was from our friend of the show, Elliot Friedman, um, mentioned that it happened kind of even before the bubble um, happened, uh, when they weren't in the bubble. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's over. There's no more tw- uh, checking Twitter to see what's going on. And, um, you know, hopefully it's good for both parties, both teams uh, down the road. Did you see that um, Buffalo posted about uh, getting a, an organizational dog? And they said uh, just before the Eichel news had gone through, they said the, the watch is almost over. And people thought it was uh, to do with the Eichel watch, which it was at, at the end of it all. But there was a, a team dog of some kind. The tweet was not clear, but I thought it was very creative as to the watch was over and it had nothing to do with Jack Eichel originally. Yeah, the um, uh, people doing social media accounts these days, uh, they're so creative and so funny Um I'm so glad that I like don't run a social media account that has lots of followers because uh, you know so many people can be so scathing. Um, so just for that reason alone, I'm glad that I don't run a social media account. Um, but saying that, uh, there's a lot of creative people that uh, say a lot of funny things as well. So yeah, um, kudos to the Buffalo Sabres social media account and really a lot of the social media accounts for a lot of uh, sports teams out there. 
Yes, it's a, it's a very um, hard task to do. And Cameron, you handle our social media over here at the Neutral Zone, and we really appreciate it, of course, alongside AMI-audio. But it's it's a very hard thing to do to keep everybody engaged, you know, in our case, you know, week in, week out. And for some people, it's, it's uh, day in and day out. So uh, kudos to all of you out there that do uh, social media. It's a harder job than even given credit for. It's time to get into our headlines for this week. Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves for winning the 2021 World Series four games to two uh, earlier this week over the Houston Astros. Atlanta was the first team to win in three different cities, Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. I also want to send out a special congratulations to Alex Anthopoulos, who is the first Canadian general manager to win the World Series. Those of you are familiar, Alex Anthopoulos was the general manager before Paul Beeston got moved out for the current regime. Congratulations, Atlanta, and congratulations, Alex. Well-deserved. Canada's wheelchair curling team got knocked out of the World Championships in Beijing this past weekend. However, the team will still qualify for the Beijing Paralympic Games, as they will still be part of the top 11 teams in the world. Uh, congratulations to the Canadian wheelchair curling team. Um, they fought really hard uh, to get where they were, and they were almost able to pull it off. And also thank you to friend of the show, Devin Haru. Um, he helped cover that as well uh, with some of the tweets that he had and as well as the Canadian Paralympic Committee. Um, well done in promoting Wheelchair Canada curling team. The Montreal Canadiens have assigned Cole Caulfield back to their American Hockey League affiliate, the Laval Rocket. You know, as a young athlete, sometimes it's good to get a taste of the big dance, in this case, the National Hockey League. Sometimes you need to learn from what you have seen in the big dance and take back what you've learned and reevaluate how you can make your game better. It's only the beginning and you will be a great athlete for a long time to come. Continue to hold your head up, Mr. Caulfield. Montreal Canadiens head coach Dominique Ducharme said Tuesday the team is expecting that goaltender Carey Price will leave the NHL-NHLPA player assistance program after the 30-day mark on November 6. Ducharme added, however, that he does not have an exact date for Price's return to the Canadiens. Uh, I just want to say to Carey Price, first and foremost, uh, your health matters, whether it's mental and or physical, and you should be very proud of yourself for reaching out for help and getting the help that you need. Uh, he'll be back to the team as soon as he's uh, fit and ready to play. Um, I see him doing maybe conditioning stints in the AHL in order for him to be able to come up to back to the big club, maybe uh, hopefully within a month. Yes, he is uh, eligible, well, will be returning to the team on Monday, but still no timeline as that has come out today as well. Time to check in on our Twitter polls. Uh, last week's question is, which sport are you most focused on during this time of the year? 67% of you said hockey, 8% of you said baseball, and 17% of you said basketball and another 17% of you said football. So 
Very interesting poll results there as well. This week's Twitter poll is, with everything going on in the NHL, should Commissioner Gary Bettman remain at his post? The answers are quite simple, yes or no. You can cast your votes at our Twitter handle, which will be given out in a bit on the program. Coming up next, we're going to continue our conversation surrounding the national para-ice hockey team for the men. How are they going to stack up in 2022 in Beijing? We'll discuss all that coming up next. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at NeutralZoneCB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base. Right at Claire, she picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins this week. I thought we'd continue our conversation about the uh, Canadian National Para-Ice Hockey Program. Last week, we spent some time talking about Steve Cash and his uh, retirement um, and how that's going to play a factor with Team Canada moving forward this year, and we'll Talk about that a little bit more in depth as the segment goes along. But Cameron, what stands out to you on this roster as we look at it uh, now? Uh, Well, I know 15 of 20 players are coming back from the team uh, that was from before. Um, uh, Two of the new players that I kind of want to point out is uh, the goaltender, uh, Adam Kingsmill, and I think Dominic LaRocque is going to end up starting in that, but uh, this is really good for Adam to kind of get his feet wet and uh, learn how to play the game uh, at this Paralympic level. Uh, So I think, you know, good things are to come uh, when Dominic is no longer going to be the goalie um, for Adam to step up and to be able to be a huge part of the team. Uh, Another person I wanted to zero in on was a uh, person that used to be on the Paralympic team, uh, has been off for about the past three years and is back on the team, and that's Adam Dixon. And in my opinion, uh, when he was on the team three years ago, I think uh, he was probably one of the best players on the team. And he's a defenseman, and it is amazing how quick he is, um, how good of a hockey mind he is, um, 
you know, knowing where to go with the play, how he plays positionally, and he's so fast. And I remember, uh, this is way back in the day, um, I used to play against him a little bit, and he was back on defense in those days as well. And he was just so fast and quick that he basically controlled the play uh, for the entire game. And that's what you need on the back end is a person that's really quick, um, that is really good at getting out of the zone with, you know, that first pass. And uh, Adam Dixon, at least three years ago, could do that. So I'm sure it's going to take him a few games to get back up to the Paralympic pace. Um, but I'm really looking forward to Adam Dixon because I think he's going to be, um, you know, a huge cog in that wheel to be able to counter the USA attack, who seems to really uh, go in on the forecheck really hard and just play player to player and um, is able to take that puck away. So I think Adam Dixon is really going to help in that regard to get Canada out of the zone or out of the defensive zone and spending more time in the offensive zone. Uh, Yes, I agree with uh, what you have said so far. Uh, The things that that stand out to me on this roster are quite simple in that we do not see Corbin Watson in uh, net anymore, uh, which is going to leave quite the, uh, quite the hole because even uh, Dominic LaRock, who I agree will probably be the guy who's going to get the starts. He didn't get a lot of starting opportunity when you had Corbin Watson in the net. So that's kind of, uh, a big change there if you look at that team as we look at it. Um, obviously, you have Billy Billy Bridges, Greg Westlake still uh, still around. Um, I, I just I think for me, uh, this team is kind of a mixed bag of of young, old. Um, it's it's a good thing. I think someone like uh, Liam Hickey who is getting older and more experienced is going to help this team as time goes on. And when you, when you have more experience at the international level, that can only help you uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, Like I said, I just think that this is uh, a well-balanced team. I think if you look at uh, Rob Armstrong, again, really good forward, able to play, uh, you know, the four check he's, not afraid to get in the corners, which is something that I really think that Team Canada has been missing over the last number of years is that they just, they they go into the corner, but then they almost, you know, let up a little bit before they get in there deep and, and really digging for pucks. That's something I'm going to really want to see this year uh, moving forward because you need that against an attack like the United States. And again, we, we focus a lot on the United States because it's often that's who you are with in the final. Certainly some nations are, are getting up there and better as time has gone on, but it's still that tier between Canada, U.S. and the other countries. Cameron, what would you say are the strengths of this roster as we sit here? Well, in the two-game series, to kind of take a look at the two-game series that they just had against the U.S., um, I think that 
as far as the strength goes, uh, especially in the first game, um, I think that's goaltending. And the goaltender for that game was Dominic Larocque. Uh, I believe that it was uh, 18 shots uh, to 10 or it was 16 to 9. Uh, it's in one of those orders uh, through one of those games. So I think um, winning 4-2, um, you know, he was a huge difference in that game because of who uh, they were playing against and the powerhouse that is the United States because they are the reigning world champions. Um, I think another strength is James Dunn on the team. Um, you know, he seems to be everywhere. He seems to be making the smart pass uh, to get it where it needs to be. And then in the two-game series, in two games, he had a goal and two assists. So, and I know Greg Westlake was quoted as saying he thought that James Dunn uh, probably was, uh, if not one of the best players during that two-game series. So I think those are, uh, you know, two of the people um, where it's the strengths of, uh, you know, the, the overall team. Um, do you see it as being a um, – I'm, I'm going to use the word disadvantage, but I don't think it's a, it's a, a fair word. Do you see it as a, a disadvantage when you look at Greg Westlake and Billy Bridges who have been on the team for really as long as I can remember and they are getting up there in age? Um, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? And when does it become – the reverse of whichever one you you decide to pick, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage. Uh, right now, I still think it's an advantage. Uh, Billy Bridges, I still feel like he is uh, very smart. Uh, maybe he's slowed down a bit. I don't notice it myself, but he still has one of the hardest shots um, in all of uh, para ice hockey. So I still think that he's a huge, uh, you know, part of the team. Um, and he and he's a big boy, uh, you know, from the waist up. So um, the way he checks and how he gets into the game, I think, is very vital as well in order to be able to open up some ice uh, to get the shots off. Um, and I know that Greg Westlake, he used to play forward. However, I don't know how many tournaments it's been now, but he's back on defense. So, um, and I'm not saying he's lost a step. However, if he has playing defenseman, you don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, quite as quick as a forward is. Um, so I think that it's great that he's back there. He has so much experience uh, in so many different types of situations, and he's got a really good shot as well. And if need be, he can kind of be that defenseman that jumps up into the play as long as the one of the other forwards come back and kind of cover for him on defense. So I think for both of them, uh, they still need to be on that team with all of the experience they have, and I still feel that they have a lot more to give uh, to the Canadian Paralympic team. I think one of uh, the other weaknesses, actually, let me go with the strength first. The strength is that I believe this team can be quick. They can be quick if they need to be quick. Um, you, you talk about uh, Dixon uh, being being really good on defense, really solid there. Um, I, but I think the biggest weakness Cameron is not the talent because you you look up and down this lineup and you say okay know that name know that name this one's new I think their biggest weakness is between the ears I think they they have shown to play really well whether it be you know uh, exhibition games against the United States or round robin games and then for some reason in in finals as of recently they seem to almost uh, freeze in a way where it's like they forget the 
the the fundamentals. So they need that that constant voice, and you get it out of out of Billy Bridges and Greg Westlake to say, "We've been here before. Let's do that." Um, I think Tyler McGregor, who's been uh, part of the leadership role in in recent years, will be able to get his voice um, better because he's now been in this leadership role as captain for a few years now. Um, and I think that's important for, for moving forward. When you're able to solidify yourself in a leadership role and be able to, you know, um, speak freely without feeling like, who's this 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 new guy when I have, you know, Greg Westlake and, and Billy Bridges, I, I think when you get your voice and you're able to speak uh, as time goes on more confidently, then that can be a help as well. Um, so I, I just think that that's a good thing for this roster as well, to just have a little bit more years of experience um, and, and people that have been there. And the more time you have, the better you you can be as a, as a team. And I, and I look for good things from this team headed into Beijing. The question we kind of touched on last week was with... Steve Cash uh, being retired, does that give the Canadian team an advantage or does it go deeper than that for you? Uh, I think it goes deeper than that um, because it showed over the two-game series that um, almost double um, that the American team had more shots on goal than the Canadian team did. So I think the um, where they have to overcome is the players uh, out in front of the goalie, and they play a great game uh, that they're forechecking all of the time. They're really fast, and the Canadian team hasn't been able to uh, match the speed. Um, to, or when they're going in on the forecheck, the Americans are there first, and they're able to get it out of the end. So I still think they have the same challenges as they did before, and that is just that that the U.S. is such a great team with their speed and their forecheck, and somehow the Canadian team is going to have to overcome that uh, to be able to get it into uh, the American zone and be able to keep it there as well. I think uh, the I'm going to talk a little bit about the coaches here and the head coach. Ken Babby, in my um, estimation, is really um, on the bubble this year. He's had... Uh, at least one round of uh, Paralympic um, experience. And I think if we don't see a big difference with these changes, you know, um, with new athletes, I think you really do start have to look at whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, some of the senior players, which we've mentioned. I think they're trying to hold on to a bit of that, young mix with the old mix and it might come a time if they don't win at these Paralympic Games to go towards the completely young uh, core because that's you it's shown in in past years that you you really only have that mix Cameron for a, a short period of time where you can kind of mix with the young and the old and we, we saw that with even the Blue Jays in uh, 2016, 2016-2017 when uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins came. They really tried to put a, put a Band-Aid over it and say, we're going we're gonna to run this back and mix. But at some point, as we've seen now, they've gone with a younger core. And I believe that Hockey Canada is going to have to make that decision 
if we don't see the desired result we all hope for. Comment there, Cameron? Yeah, um, it always comes down to is it the uh, person coaching the team's fault or is it the player's fault who's out there and actually executing the game plan? So uh, it is going to be interesting to see. I believe uh, Bobby's been the coach for, what is it, four or five years now approximately. Um, So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how long he is going to be the coach for or, um, you know, if they're going to have to get quite a bunch of uh, new blood in there, uh, younger players, in order to maybe be able to stack up to the U.S. team. And uh, hopefully this team can do it because I'm always for Canada and I really hope that they are able to uh, win the gold at the Beijing, Beijing Paralympics. My my first reaction to all of this is that you don't pin it solely on the coach. I think if the result is 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 good and what we want, okay, maybe we move forward. But if it's not, I, I think it goes further beyond just, oh, let's, you know, replace Ken Babby and hope that a new voice does the trick. I think it's it's going to have to be a combination of all things put in one to make the best decision moving forward for Hockey Canada. And we do wish them all the best of luck. And of course, we'll keep them in our thoughts as we go towards uh, talking about the Paralympic Games moving forward into January, February, and March. Coming up next is the 12th Cruisers Cup Para Ice Hockey event being held in Brampton, Ontario at the Susan Fennell Sports Complex. The director of Para Ice Hockey for the Cruisers Sports, Ken Hall, will be by in just a second to preview and discuss the event. Stay with us. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. a message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail Welcome back to The Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins. This year, incredibly, marks the 12th Cruisers Cup Para-Ice Hockey Tournament held in Brampton, Ontario at the Susan Fennell Sports Complex. Joining us to talk about this 12th year is Director of Para-Ice Hockey for the Cruisers Sports Ken Hall. Ken, welcome back to our program. Nice to chat with you. Thank you for having me. Ken, it's Cam, and I know that you've just gotten off the ice uh, with your team, and uh, the listeners want to know, how did the game go? You can definitely tell that the players have not been in a game situation in a while. Definitely rusty, Um, but you know what's exciting is a lot of fun to get back on the ice, and the players... Even we lost the game. Uh, it was a close game, two to one. And it was it was great to be back for everybody. And so, with that bit of rust uh, that you speak about this weekend, what do you expect from your team? Being that this is the 
first time on the ice for not only your team, but the whole community itself? Well, I think for our team, we just hope that they start making better decisions and then it'll lead to some better success on the ice. Uh, for the tournament, it's like I said, it's great to have everybody back. You can see everybody's excited to be out playing. People have been very thankful that the cruisers uh, put this on and that the city, in cooperation with the city of Brampton, that they've been uh, very supportive in helping us put this um, event on. So it's just, it's just, like I said, it's just good to be back. So let's chat a little bit about the event um, at, on a whole that you kind of alluded to. Um, can you give us a rundown of the amount of teams and the different divisions that they are in? So we have 23 teams this year, uh, anywhere from junior, which is a 6- to 15-year-old program. Then we have a mixed uh, open division, which is 16-plus non-contact. And then we have intermediate B or C, B, and A, which is just all based on skill level. A, which includes uh, national team players. And this year we are fortunate to have the South Korean national team playing in the tournament. Um. Let's chat about that with the South Korean national team program. How challenging was it to get this team to your tournament? Can you speak a little bit about that? Or did it just go seamless? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's quite seamless, but everybody worked very hard to make it happen. Uh, they initiated the original contact. And we're, we were very supportive of having them up here. So we made sure that they had, you know, hotels or they needed ice. We could have provided that. And they've been, they've been great to work with. So we're, we're hopeful that they, uh, they, they return over the year. Yes, that would be good because international representation is always cool at any event. That is for sure. Let's uh, go back to the, the uh, divisions. When you guys put out these divisions and say, okay, this is what we're going to have, is it up to the teams themselves to declare this is what division we we desire to be in? Or does the host committee and the committee itself have some input in this as well? Uh, It's mostly up to the teams because a lot of the teams that come here, especially if they're from out of province or out of of the country, rank themselves when we give them a rough idea of what we expect um and when it comes like the example of the top division of the a division if they have a national player he has to go the team has to go there um and we give them the age limit on junior and then the rest we kind of have a feel for it because we've seen a lot of these teams before um but like i said this year has been very unique because a lot of clubs couldn't send a team so there's we have a few teams that are made up of of members from three or four different clubs or from different provinces so that's the challenge, always to slot them into the proper competitive division. We're joined by Ken Hall, who is the director of Para Ice Hockey for the Cruiser Sports. I'm alongside Cam Jenkins, and of course, I'm your host, Brock Richardson, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. So the pandemic has played a role, I'm sure, in planning and putting on the event. Uh, can you maybe let us know what's different in that regard uh, this year compared to years past? Um, well, there's definitely a lot more COVID protocols, obviously. Um, even just something as simple as entering the facility, you know, teams have to be aware that they have to be uh, double vaccinated and show vaccination, uh, proof of vaccination every time they come in. So it's a bit of a stress to the teams. Um, we have had to allow more ice time 
for the games so we don't have crowding in the dress rooms and crowding in the hallways. Everybody's mic'd up, even in the um, on the benches. Uh, what else? What else? What else? It's just it's a lot of it's a lot of interesting stuff like that. There's there's a lot of cleaning going on. It's just it's challenging, but it's uh, everyone's everyone's following along great. So, do you do you feel Ken that that's made with all of these uh, implementations being put into place? Do you feel overall as the director of para ice hockey that the athletes are feeling more comfortable, or has there yet to be that much comment given that this is day one? No, I think you can tell everyone's feeling safe because there was a lot of questions pre-tournament about protocols and what we were expecting and what we were doing to mitigate risk. And everybody who signed up said, yep, they're they're more than happy with it and it's been great so far. So we have no concerns about it and you can tell everyone's cooperating so they're all understanding the the difficulties that, that we have putting this on and they're all following everything fine. So, aside from the uh, showing proof of uh, vaccination when you enter the building every time, can you give us an idea of what people can expect if they walk into the arena? Like, are there any giveaways that people can look forward to? Can you talk a little bit about that? Raffles, etc. Um, unfortunately, this year we didn't do any of that because we were trying to eliminate as much extra contact because normally we would be doing silent auctions and we'd be doing raffles and stuff. So we have ticket sellers, but this year it's basically a bare bones tournament. Um, and it's more about the players and just getting them back on the ice and letting them have some fun and be competitive. Now, if people have never seen para ice hockey before and they're planning on coming down to the event, can you maybe highlight some of the teams uh, that people should check out? Well, they should definitely check out uh, South Korea. Uh, we have a team from Pittsburgh that's quite good. Um, and anyone in the A division is going to have national team from Canada players on it or the U.S., so that's exciting. Um, we have three teams from Montreal here. Um, we have a team from Buffalo here. Um, any of the cruiser teams, of course. That's my personal favorites. Um, right from our younger players, too, obviously, yes, uh, that Cam was a member of at some point. And I was. Yeah, I think I think they should just come out and, and really learn the sport and just be amazed by these these players because these are these are athletes. It's great. Now, uh, as I was uh, preparing for this interview, I had no idea that the venue had changed its name. Uh, so, can you give us uh, the address of where this is taking place in case people really want to come out and check it out? Uh, it's the Susan Fennel Sportplex, formerly South Fletcher's. And the address here is 500 Ray Lawson Boulevard in Brampton. And uh, Ken, we have a couple of uh, people, uh, colleagues of mine, they're playing hooky uh, from the show today, uh, Claire Buchanan and Josh <laughs> Watson. Uh, can you maybe let us know how they're doing in the tournament? Or, is, or are they both on your team? Any of them on your team? How are they doing? Uh, Josh? Josh Watson is on my team. Claire Buchanan plays on the All Blacks team. I know they played their first game. Um, I did not see the final score because I was busy coaching my game. But I saw Claire after she was smiling, so I'm assuming they won. <laughs> well, she's always smiling, so you never know. But I certainly hope she did win. That's true. So. <laughs> that is true. 
<laughs> now, if people want to uh, learn more about Cruiser Sports and if they want to join the club, uh, can you give the details on where they need to go? They can go to www.cruisers-sports.com and click on uh, register, which is in the top right corner. They can uh, send questions to uh, questions at cruisers-sports.com and we can get back to them with questions or answers about hockey, wheelchair basketball, para-athletics, bocce, multi-sport, which we have for young kids. And we would love to see people come out and join the club. Ken, as I mentioned off the top, this is the uh, 12th year of this event. If you look back on this uh, 12 years ago, um, did you envision this event, where it is now, how successful it's been, etc.? Can you comment? Honestly, yeah, I did expect it to be. <laughs> I, I don't like doing anything half-baked. I like to just be going and make it make it full. So it's not where we're going to end up. We're going to end up being bigger next year and bigger the year after that. As the facilities improve, we can be bigger and bigger and attract more and more teams. But I'm excited for where the sport's gone and partially because of what we do here and other tournaments. So I'm like I said, I'm very excited to be back. So, Ken, uh, you want to make it even bigger and better uh, moving forward. Where do you see the tournament um, going to improve and to be better? Is it just more teams competing in it, or is there another aspect to it? Uh, it'll be uh, facility upgrades, for sure, um, to allow for more accessible benches. It will be more teams. We're looking at more uh, teams from the United States and Western Canada. Uh, we're going to push next year for more international teams, like a in say in the international B pool, we're looking for that, and just that's our big. That's how we rate success. Ken, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to highlight, um, you know, the people involved in this event and how many people it takes. Can you shed some light on just how many people have you know stepped forward uh, alongside yourself to put this event on? Because I don't think people out there realize how many. Uh, individuals it takes to put on an event like this, not one year, but 12? We have we have a core of about five or six people. So Scott Legassi is my assistant chair director. Uh, Jen Simpson is in charge of our office staff. My wife, Lisa Myers, is in charge of all the volunteers. Uh, Kathy Ludwig has uh, been a mainstay, a long-term volunteer, along with her husband, Harold. Um, we have a few people now that are starting to look at merchandise, uh, to help us with that. Um, and we've had a ton of volunteers uh, over the years that have led to the success of this event. Awesome. Ken, uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview amidst the event. And uh, best of luck with your team and uh, having success, but also the event as a whole. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That was Thanks, Ken Hall. That was Ken Hall, who is the director of Para Ice Hockey for the Cruisers Sports, and he was joining us to talk about the 12th annual Cruisers Cup held in Brampton, Ontario. Coming up next, we're going to uh, have a conversation about Gary Bettman and his future in the game of the NHL with all of what's going on in the National Hockey League. Should he remain as commissioner? Cam and I discuss after the break here on the Neutral Zone. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Barack Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins. And I want to send out a special thank you to uh, Ken Hall again, because uh, coming on a program, being interviewed in the midst of a tournament when you are coaching and also the uh, director of Para Ice Hockey puts a lot on you. So we thank him for uh, spending about 15 minutes with us. Uh, teeing up the event and I will be down there uh, through uh, tomorrow afternoon um, Cameron is going to be going down there today after the show and will be there throughout the weekend so there'll be lots of uh, neutral zone representation there as well of course Claire and Josh are competing in the event uh, so we wish them uh, the best of luck and it's going to be a great event Cameron, something that isn't so great is what's going on in the National Hockey League. And let's talk about Kyle Beach. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Kyle Beach approached uh, Chicago's management about sexual assault that he encountered from coaching staff during the uh, 2010 season, back when they were in their Stanley Cup um, run there. And the NHL investigation, it was found that they ignored Kyle's allegation, subsequently let go of manage, of uh, general manager Stan Bowman, Joel, Quen- Joel Quenville, uh, who was the coach at the time of this incident and is now in Florida. The only person that will remain at their post is Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, who was the assistant general manager at the time of this incident. Uh, Cameron, first things first, what say you on this uh, particular topic? Uh, I think at the end of the day, the right people got fired uh, because they chose covering this up or keeping it quiet um, over uh, winning a Stanley Cup. And winning the Stanley Cup, it it doesn't matter. Um, a person's life is at stake. And because of the choices that they made and allegedly giving uh, him a letter of recommendation so he can go on to other places of work and it happening again, um, you know, uh, they're very much responsible for what has happened. So uh, it's not late, nice to see anyone lose their job. Uh, however, I think that was the right decision to do. Um, and with uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff, uh, it's interesting um, that he was able to keep his job. And it sounds like he was able to keep it because uh, he was only in that one meeting and he was just uh, rather new. And um, the other people that were uh, in a position of power to deal with this said that they were going to deal with this. So um, I can understand why Gary Batman made the decision he did um, that Kevin Shoveldayoff was uh, able to keep his position because he was only in that one meeting and then wasn't a part of it uh, moving forward. The other name uh, that I want to put out there, because this has been in the news um, recently over the last uh, 24 hours, is Bradley Aldridge. Bradley Aldridge was the person that was at the forefront of these allegations. His name has been removed within the last 24 hours 
from the Stanley Cup as they were etching the names from our last Stanley Cup champion, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, first of all, do you think this is a good decision? And should others be held to this account? Or is it just because of the close proximity of Mr. Aldridge is why his name was removed? Um, well, Aldridge's name was removed uh, because he uh, sexually assaulted somebody and he does not deserve to have his name on the cup. Uh, I'm glad that it was X'd out rather than removed um, completely. And I forgot who else kind of had this opinion, but uh, once they said it, I'm like, yes, I agree totally with you. It's, um, you know, when you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and you see the cup, uh, for generations that are coming up, uh, they might look at the cup and see the X's on the cup. And hopefully they'll ask why, um, you know, was the name X'd out or why are those X's on the cup? And then that will be a teaching moment for a lot of generations moving forward to say, this is what happened and it should not have happened. And like I said, it'll be a teaching moment. So hopefully people learn and understand that this is not okay and that, uh, you know, it it shouldn't happen again. Uh, Unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, it's naive for me to say that it's never going to happen again, but hopefully they have a lot of things in place moving forward that, uh, you know, it it hopefully uh, happens a lot less um, than it seems to have, um, you know, with a lot of uh, other leaks. It's funny, to your point about it being the name uh, being X'd out on the cup, I never really did think about that direction of saying, well, if it's removed, it can kind of go by the wayside and, you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind. And yes, the name is not there, but the action of putting the X is there, which you're right, in the sense of it would bring up conversation or could bring up conversation with future generations that might, you know, prompt conversations of this is what happened back in the day. And we hope it doesn't happen again as often or at all because you're right it is naive to think that it's never going to happen again but to the extent that it's happened recently and the amount that these types of allegations have come out across all sports needs to come to an end and uh, no one should go through that and putting the stanley cup first and foremost is really despicable over someone's um you know ask for help, need for help, however you want to put it. I think it's shameful. And those individuals who have lost their job because of it deserve what they have gotten. And they need to do some uh, soul searching because in school, I was always taught that the uh, person standing uh, recording the video or being witness to, to something that's going on is just as much at fault as the offender themselves. I want to move forward towards uh, speaking about Gary Bettman. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the last three, four days about Gary Bettman and whether he should be held accountable in all of what's gone on because he is the leader of the NHL. What say you on this? Uh, I think it was an absolutely horrible uh, conference by Gary Bettman. Um, you know, he's a lawyer, so a lot of it he was just uh, covering his own uh, peaches at the time, and uh, he's protecting the NHL and the, and the league. Um, you know, uh, some of the comments he made as far as 
um, not letting Rick Westhead, who was the one to bring this all to light with his fantastic reporting. Uh, I believe I heard that it was a 51-minute press conference, and he, uh, Rick Westhead was not allowed to uh, ask his first question until about the 47 or 41-minute mark, but didn't actually ask it until the 47-minute mark. Um, Darren Dreger from TSN uh, was the one to bring it to uh, the um, NHL's attention that uh, Rick West had had a question and he hadn't been asked one. Although people like Pierre Lebrun, um, Darren Dreger, they were allowed to ask more than one question. So I think for Gary Batman to um, or the NHL, uh, whoever's um, you know allowing the people to ask the questions for not uh, to get Rick West had to, if not the first question within the first couple of questions. I think is just, uh, you know, despicable. Um, He talked about, uh, someone asked a question about Sheldon Kennedy and, uh, you know, uh, the the sexual assault that he went through. Um, And Gary Batman, uh, although factually he's right, he said, well, um, that didn't happen while he was in the NHL. Uh, I think because Sheldon Kennedy uh, has been such an advocate uh, towards uh, sexual abuse and, uh, yeah, being an advocate, I think uh, Gary Batman, if not his first call, um, one of the first calls should be to Sheldon Kennedy as well. Um, and yeah, it just kind of goes on and on of how uh, Gary Batman was and how he was not empathetic uh, towards a lot of the issues that were brought forth uh, with the questions uh, that were asked. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was terrible press conference and hopefully it, uh, a lot of people agree and it doesn't shine a good light on Gary Bettman. A lot of time spent saying not a lot of actionable words, in my uh, opinion. It was a sad press conference to... Uh, bear witness to um i i just think that you know if you are the leader of any organization you unfortunately bear what has happened in the past you bear what has happened in the future if you are going to be there and the most appalling thing that i saw or heard about was that gary bettman only needs eight of the 32 owners to stand by him and to say, we support Gary Bettman's. That's not even a quarter of the amount of owners that need to stand by Mr. Bettman or any commissioner moving forward. I think he needs to be held a lot higher accountability to this more than eight owners, because I do not think he would get 15 of those 32 owners because I've seen a lot of comments on social media that a lot of people don't believe in Gary Bettman because of this decision. That is the end of our show for this week. Cameron, thank you so much uh, for spending the hour with me and manning this program. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. And I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend. Be safe and hope to see you down at the Cruisers Cup this weekend in Brampton.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.